my mom, interestingly, um, started saying something to me when I would, when I would, I was trying to avoid falling into sin. You know, I was a teenager and I was trying to avoid falling into sin, which wasn't anything I ever thought about before <laughs> I became a Christian. And so I would say, Oh, I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to listen to that. Or I, I don't want to hang out with this person. Or I don't, you know, I started kind of avoiding things. And my mom started saying to me, oh, don't be such a prude. Oh, don't be such a prude. <laughs> In other words, she's trying to discourage me. She's trying, by calling me a prude, kind of using this virtue of prudence as an epithet, you know, um, and saying that by trying to avoid what seemed to be the wrong and choose what seemed to be the right, that I somehow was actually doing wrong by being a prude. Welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International, bringing to you another discussion about this, our daily task of growing an imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. It's great to be with you again. Thanks for being here with us. I'm joined again by my good friend and colleague, Kenny Burchard. We're going to continue our series talking about unity. And Kenny, you got a haircut. You're out in California. Man, it's good to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> this is, good things happen when you go to California. But yeah, I'm uh, here. Uh, I, I'm here with my with my wife and my son, actually near where we were pastoring back in the day when we did that and uh, visiting and having a great, great time here, but also working and doing, doing our work. And yeah, you're right about the haircut. Um, this weekend, my wife looked at me and she said, you know, I'm trying to be supportive, but where are we going with this? And I, <laughs> and I said, okay. Quo vadis, Kenny. I said, I know what to do. And I came back and she was so relieved. So anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, this is my evil twin. Long, but, yeah. <laughs> I think we did this last yeah, time. No, we talked about beards uh, and sweaters and stuff last time we did a series. <laughs> Exactly. But no, it's it's good to be here and good to be with you and with everybody watching. Just um, excited to have our discussion today. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed it so far, this discussion about uh, Christian unity and the virtues. We've talked mostly about unity up to this point. We dug into Christ's prayer for unity in the gospel. We we went through different mm -hmm. sections of the catechism talking about how the how the church sees unity. Uh, how it sees the principles of unity and, and 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 also the causes of disunity, the wounds to unity, all that. We went through that really good discussion. I really appreciated your thoughts and insights on all that. Um, today, as promised, we're we're turning, uh, we're taking it a next step. We're turning it in a slightly uh, more nuanced direction because um, we're going to turn from unity in terms of a, a state of affairs out there in the church to uh, a state of affairs in here in our hearts. Um, I want to just remind the audience, those who've who've listened, or whether whether you're coming to this discussion uh, fresh, when we talk through the the catechisms uh, sections on unity, uh, it points out that sin is ultimately the cause of of disunity in the body of Christ. That Christ prayed for unity; he desires unity amongst his 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 uh, disciples, um, and disunity among them is ultimately the result of sin. The flip side of that is that the uh, is that virtue 
our inner transformation to be like Christ as a result of grace is what leads to unity. I want to read, read a couple a couple bits from the catechism there. Again, it, it points out in talking about the things that are required in order to respond adequately to this call to unity. There were a number of points that, that the church makes, but one of them is this conversion of heart as the faithful try to live holier lives according to the gospel. For it is the unfaithfulness of the members to Christ's gift which causes divisions. And again, when we talk about sin or division, we're not pointing fingers out there. <laughs> we're saying, no, this is everybody's problem. This is my problem. And earlier there, uh, in, in an earlier paragraph, uh, it also said, where there are sins, there are also divisions, schisms, heresies, and disputes. Where there is virtue, however, there also are harmony and unity from which arise the one heart and soul of all believers. Yeah, the, the key is there. And I, you know, knowing you, John Mark, and your, your passion for the virtues as such a, a crucial and integral part to what it means to live as faithful Christians, it doesn't surprise me that that, 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 um, sticks out to you. Like, whoa, there's a, there's a key here that virtue, you know, living in virtue and living the virtues is actually at the center of how we find the unity that Jesus prayed for. I wouldn't have seen that, you know. I'm, I don't have uh, I don't have the John Mark Grodi lens yet, but I'm trying to get it. <laughs> yeah, well, in some in some ways, when we're using the word virtues, um, I mean, you you would have pointed to this reality, but you would have used different words in the Old Testament. Right. We have the the scripture writers referring to the virtues. We have that that uh, that verse, I think, in, in Proverbs or, or Psalms there talking about prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And so they're there, bits and pieces in Scripture, but it wasn't mm -hmm. really till later on in the life of the church that the church really recognized this bit of human wisdom. Really, you know, the Greeks really, really recognized this and brought it together with the New Testament in terms of the New Testament's emphasis on conversion of heart. And for the Christian now, this has been inner, uh, you know, irrevocably entwined in our understanding that when we talk about virtue, this is the first point I want to make today, that we're not ta talking about some external system of thought, some mindset, some technique. In fact, mm -hmm. when we when we talk about virtue, we want to actually oppose it to our temptation as Christians and as humans to focus on making changes out there in the world without being changed in here in our hearts. You know, we have this perennial temptation that, you know, if we just get the man, if I just get the right book or the right Catholic podcast or the right <laughs> Christian book on self-help or if I just get the right yeah. CCD you know, catechism program in my <laughs> parish, or if the church can just get the right, you know, you know, <laughs> uh, synods on synodality and, and, and the councils and discussions and bureaucrats that we'll just, we'll figure everything out. Or even on the societal level, if we just get the right financial system or the right level of government regulation, then we'll be able to fix everything. And right. part of our call as humans is yes, to do, to set up the right things that need to be set up. But always those are going to be as not they're going to have no effect unless I myself, in my heart of hearts, am changed. And so the first point I just want to make today is that when we're talking about virtue, we're not talking about some system, something external. Um, the virtues are habits, but unlike the habits we hear talked about in culture, they're not something external to our human nature. When I when I develop the, the habit of brushing my teeth or I'm teaching my kids to have the habit of brushing their teeth, there's nothing natural Per, per se about brushing your teeth. It's an external habit that you take, you develop because it helps keep your body healthy. But this, but the, the motion, the aspect of it is not necessarily natural. Talk about virtues. We're talking about habits of soul. 
and they 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 derive and they they um, they arise from this the way that God designed you as a person. This isn't something external, not something man-made. This is simply the natural powers, the natural aspects of what it means to be a human, intellect, will, and your passions. And so when we're talking about growing in virtue, we're talking about turning actually to grace, to this is the way God made me. And as I turn mm-hmm. to truth and reality and try to live according to it, the habits of soul that develop as a result of that turning, that conversion to truth, that's what virtue is. And so when the New Testament talks about conversion of heart, like what's in your heart, you know, you do all this stuff with your hands, but what's going on in your heart? That's what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's so good. And it, and it really resonates with a lot of, um, uh, well, some of the voices that we're hearing in our culture now who don't, you know, claim to be speaking um, predominantly from a Christian perspective, but they've but yet they've found the wisdom that you're talking about here in, in that they say, you know, I'm not sure I believe you if you're out there championing some cause, you know, in the streets and with your crowd and your sign. If at home your bed isn't made, you've disobeyed your parents, you haven't, you know, showered in a few days, uh, you don't take care of yourself, you, you, you don't do the things that are responsible uh, in your individual life, but yet you're out here marching for a cause uh, that everyone else needs to line up to, it would be better for you to go home <laughs> and start there. You know, this is kind of the wisdom that that we're that we're hearing, which which I like, and and in a sense, um, it it corresponds to what you're saying that um, this needs to begin. And especially as we're talking about unity, this needs to begin right inside of here, inside of our hearts and inside of the way that yeah. we are living in the world. So it's just so much easier to get everybody else to to um, to do what they're supposed to do and not me do what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It comes down to conversion, you know, uh, conversion does. of heart, but starting, starting yeah. with myself. And again, not primarily... You know, to use some of the the Catholic Protestant language here, not it's not about works, it's not about my effort. Right. Pre, you know, it's not about my right. wits, it's not about my systems. It's about me surrendering to grace, and grace mm-hmm. comes to us in many in many forms. One of the most primordial ways it comes to us is simply in how we're designed. God made me, and I'm broken by sin, but it's still when I turn back to the nature of things, the nature of the world, nature of myself. That's one of the places I encounter God. And then, so then, you know, I build on that in turning explicitly to God and saying, Lord, what is your will for my life? What's the next step I'm, I'm to take? You know, will you forgive me of my sin, et cetera? Um, but we, we start with kind of the grace we've been given in, inherently in our human nature. And again, virtues are talking about that, that fundamental thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to set up, you know, this, this a little bit by uh, reading just a, a, a small paragraph from uh, Father Dubay, Father Thomas Dubay's Deep Conversion, Deep Prayer, and he makes this point uh, at the beginning of chapter two entitled uh, The Radical Conversion. And he he makes this point that at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Christ's first six words of public ministry are be converted and accept the gospel. Be converted and accept the gospel. And Dubé points out that this is striking. It's also a little weird because we would actually we would expect it to be the other way around. 
right? We'd expect if Christ were to launch out into this speech that he would say it in the opposite way, accept the gospel and then be converted by it. And there's some truth to that, certainly. But there's there's an important insight in this formulation of be converted and accept the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that it's highlighting that the fir- there ha- needs to be this fundamental primary conversion of heart whereby we're actually even open to the gospel, right? The gospel mm-hmm. fell on all kinds of deaf ears as Jesus preached it. The question is, were people even open to wanting the truth? And so Dubé writes an explanation of this. The fundamental conversion is therefore the renouncing of this pervasive egoism and the turning to an altruistic love for objective truth, goodness, and beauty. This change is a momentous reversal. It is a switch from a subjective selfishness to seeing and pursuing reality as it objectively is. He doesn't connect it to the virtue of prudence, but the virtue of prudence is our topic today. Um, Mm -hmm. And while he doesn't use the word, he describes the virtue of, of prudence. The first of the four would have been traditionally called the cardinal virtues or human virtues. Um, and it's first, this virtue of prudence is first for a reason, because again, as he points out here, and as I think one of the things that, that Christ was getting at in this formulation of be converted and accept the gospel, is that all your other growth and conversion depends on this fundamental conversion of whether you want the truth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and um, I, I love I love that as a starting place for this discussion. And um, I, I just have a couple of things to share here, John Mark, that I hope are, are helpful. And one is um, the way that this opens, the way that this gospel language opens in Mark's gospel, be converted as as it is in the book there. Or in the original language, metanoia, you know, um, uh, uh, think again is really kind of what the word is, or rethink all of reality. And I like it that uh, Father Dubé talks about that you're lining yourself up with the world as it really is. Well, how is the world really? Um, well, if the gospel is true, and the gospel is the announcement that Jesus is Lord of the world and everything, Everything in heaven and on earth has been handed over to him. Okay, if that's really the way the world is, then I have a lot of rethinking to do. And I like that he puts in there the issue of egoism, because that's a way of saying, well, I'm in charge. I'm in charge of reality. I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge of the way I think. I'm in charge of the way I live. And the gospel says, no, you're not. (laughs) You should stop thinking that way. Uh, Think again, metanoia, be converted, repent in some translations yeah. uh, it, it's it's saying you're not thinking about the world as it actually is and that's why you're bumping into everything that's why you're tripping over everything that's why it's everything seems broken because you're you're the gears aren't lined up based on how the world is really intended to focus and that is that Jesus is in charge of the world that's that's what the gospel really is at its core um, man, if we were living like that, <laughs> that would clean up a whole lot of stuff. So, absolutely, yeah. And the, the obviously, I mean, people can see where we're going here with this uh, in some ways, but I don't want us to jump to cl- conclusions too fast. Certainly, we can yeah. see the application to unity and disunity here, right? For that, sure. That if we're if we're not turning to truth, but again, we're never when we're talking about any of these points of virtue, we're never we're never looking out there and pointing at other people. 
you know, because mm-hmm. this is this is a basic fundamental quality uh, conversion of heart that we all have to experience, and we all have to experience it or choose to undergo it, choose to rethink in every mm-hmm. area of our life. Because that's another thing about about the the virtue. We're talking about virtue here, is that we're um, it can't be compartmentalized. And this this is an mm-hmm. issue here with with this issue of unity that we if we if we wanted to kind of like uh, haphazardly or um, in a limited way apply the virtues just to the areas of our life where we want to be virtuous but we want to hold back in other areas it's not going to work because virtues are this they're fun they're, they're who you are they're they're what your heart mm-hmm. is when the, when the New Testament talks about like the heart the, it, that's the result of your of your habits of your of your practices of your choices. And so you can't mm-hmm. compartmentalize prudence. Again, we're going to we'll use the term here as this again this converting. I want to I want to turn to things as they are and act in accord with reality. I can't pick and choose the areas of my life that I want to do that. Uh, right. And so again, this is not something the people out there need to do so they can just accept my way of thinking. No, this is something every single one of us mm-hmm. has to practice in every single area of our life. Yeah. And it's only if we begin to practice prudence, this turning to truth and act, trying to act in accord with truth in every area of our life, then in those areas where we're divided from each other, God can begin to bring us back to unity. Yeah, amen. If I could say just one or two more thoughts here, uh, John and Mark, before we plow forward. Um, I was thinking one of the ways I, I talk to my son about this, this, um, word be converted or metanoia or repent, depending on, um, which, which translation you're reading. I'll say to him, what Jesus is saying here is change the whole way you think. Change the whole way you think. <laughs> Not just one little thing here, one little thing there. This is this is connecting to what what you just shared. I can't pick and choose. Metanoia has to do with and and conversion has to do with with a whole, complete, total transformation of every area of my my life. Well, this is why I really love um, the way. As Catholics, we're encouraged to think about conversion not as a one-time thing. You know, in some of the traditions that I was part of before, some of the uh, groups that I connected to, we thought of conversion as a, as an event, maybe at an evangelistic, you know, church service or or something like that. Whereas conversion, as we understand it biblically, and as we understand it as as Catholics, is it's this ongoing transformation of the whole way I think. And it happens layer by layer, piece by piece, uh, trial by trial, you know, sometimes situation by situation. And even in terms of stages of life, I'll have to go through a season of changing the whole way I think because Jesus is in charge. And that's going to, that means I'm going to be working on this, you know, for my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, uh, notion of virtue and particularly this preeminent virtue of prudence that we're discussing today, mm. one of the reasons it's helpful and it's practical for us to focus on is because when we, when we, sometimes when we think about that transformation, that total transformation that you're talking about, Kenny, we think of all the different things, right? We think of all the areas that we are terrible. We think all things got to change mm-hmm. and it, it can be overwhelming and it can tempt us right in the, in the moment to like sl- slip right back into trying to do it ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. When really, again, I think prudence helps us to stay kind of lodged in the biblical two ways, right? God, at every moment, God hands us life or death, light and darkness. Mm-hmm. And it's just, mm-hmm. and it, we don't need to worry about step number two or three or four or six or 10, et cetera. The question is right here, right now, am I practicing wanting to be a person of truth? Right? I don't need to worry about yeah. all the truth. I need to simply write right here, right now, with the best of my ability, with what I understand, what I know to be true, can I take the next right step? And so, again, the virtue of prudence, it, it's, there's two aspects of it. One is the, the cognitive aspect, the turning to truth, trying to be a person of reality, wanting to, to know things as they are. But then it's also the, the virtue of taking the next right step. Um, you know, like it, it's helpful sometimes to, to, to see virtues in light of their vices. Like two ways we fail in prudence are one by, one by going through life mindlessly, not really caring about the truth, just kind of being comfortable in our passions, you know, believing what we want to believe, doing what we want to do, um, just staying comfortably in our lie, right? That's one mm-hmm. failure in prudence. The other failure, though, is to, you know, is to allow ourselves to become paralyzed, saying, oh, I, I don't know all the truth. I can't figure it out perfectly, I, you know, uh, and to not take action. And that's to kind of grasp at being God, to have, have some sort of omniscience that we don't have. Uh, right. in, in the middle there, this golden mean in the middle is, is turning to the truth and saying, no, Lord, I can, I can discern, <laughs> right? You know, I, I can try to do the next right step in following Jesus. You know, I can't see two steps or three steps ahead of me, but I, I at least can see what the right next step would be, you know. Um, and so that, that turning to truth and taking a next step, that's this virtue of prudence that we're discussing here. So good. My wife has a little phrase that she uses that I think connects really well right here. She says, walk in as much light as God has given you, but all of it, not, not just some of it, walk in as much light as God has given you. And, and that's, you know, that's how you make your way through life. And of course, the scripture talks about, you know, it getting brighter as we as we move forward um, until the you know the full light is seen but walk in as much light as god has given you <laughs> i love that line yeah tell mary joe that that's a great line <laughs> she uses it on me have. a lot <laughs> <laughs> oh very very good all right well i want to i want to read um, we've already fleshed out prudence a little bit but just to to round it out a little bit let's read the bit from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is paragraph 1806. It has a good little paragraph here about the virtue as well. So I'll read it and we can mm-hmm. comment a little bit further just to make sure that we get a, again, because this is such a foundational virtue, we want to get it right. Uh, we want to understand it. It's also it's such an easy vir- virtue to leap over because it, it seems so simple, so basic. And yet, I think the more we understand it, the more we realize I practice the opposite of this virtue all the time. You know, I go through life mindless. I, I scroll on my phone. You know, even when I tell myself I believe the truth and I'm doing what's right, really, most of the time, I'm acting simply in terms of what I want. And the truth just maybe happens to line up with it, you know, for the time being. I find out just how much, again, I, I need conversion whenever my own passion, my own desire runs up against the truth. And so we just, we want to flesh this out. We want to get a real clear idea of prudence so that we can lay this foundation 
of all other virtue and growth. And ultimately, again, for what we're talking about, which is being being uh, allowing God to bring unity through first converting my heart. So this is paragraph 1806 of the Catechism. It writes, Prudence is the virtue that disposes practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. Quote, the prudent man looks where he is going. That's from the Proverbs. Keep sane and sober for your prayers. Prudence is right reason in action, writes St. Thomas Aquinas, following Aristotle. It is not to be confused with timidity or fear, nor with duplicity or dissimulation. It is called Arga Virtutum, the charioteer of the virtues. It guides the other virtues by setting rule and measure. It is prudence that immediately guides the judgment of conscience. The prudent man determines and directs his conduct in accord in accordance with his judgment. With the help of this virtue, we apply moral principles to particular cases without error and overcome doubts about the good to achieve and the evil to avoid. All right. I have some thoughts of that, but you take the first stab. Anything particular about that description of prudence that jumps out at you, Kenny? Well, there, there's a couple of things here. And one is, you know, very shortly after I became a Christian, um, trying to walk in as much light as God was giving me. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, by, by no means was I perfect and I'm, I'm still not. I'm sorry to admit to everyone here. But my mom, interestingly, um, started saying something to me when I would, when I would, I was trying to avoid falling into sin. You know, I was a teenager and I was trying to avoid falling into sin, which wasn't anything I ever thought about before <laughs> I became a Christian. And so I would say, oh, I don't want to do that, or I don't want to listen to that, or I, I don't want to hang out with this person, or I don't, you know, I started kind of avoiding things. And my mom started saying to me, oh, don't be such a prude. Oh, don't be such a prude. <laughs> In other words, she's trying to discourage me. She's trying, by calling me a prude, kind of using this virtue of prudence as an epithet, you know, um, and saying that by trying to avoid what seemed to be the wrong and choose what seemed to be the right, that I somehow was actually doing wrong by being a prude, you know, and that's just kind of my, my initial uh, response to this is that, you know, when I was trying to follow this virtue, which wasn't always, I got a lot of pushback, you know, a lot of pushback. Yeah. Well, and, and we can, we can, we can cut your mom some slack there because we see that right here in this <laughs> paragraph that the, the catechism anticipates the way that the word has been misused Right. Some of the notions that people have of prudence. Again, it says um, it's not to be confused with timidity or fear, right. nor with duplicity right. or dissimulation. Some people, when they think of prudence, they think of something that's actually counter to justice or counter to courage. In other words, mm -hmm. rather than doing the the courageous thing, the hard, mm -hmm. difficult, right thing that you would maybe find a way around it or you'd kind of weasel mm -hmm. your way through it. And that's not prudence. That's not prudence. <laughs> there also right. is, I think, sometimes it's connected in popular consciousness with like a, a puritanism that right, you know, prudence exactly. means to just kind of be uh, stick in the mud, um, kind right. of narrowly legalistic rather than, you know, this 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 freedom and conversion of heart that the New Testament talks mm -hmm. about. And certainly there, there's something to that as well. But right. in, in either case, they both misunderstand prudence as the virtue as it's been understand really in the, in the tradition of the church. 
Yeah, that's good. And and I, you know, I know we're we're um, talking about these virtues in tandem with the series on unity and this focus on unity. And as you were reading the catechism and really the 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 understanding of prudence that we have here, instantly I I flashed to the book of Romans, uh, Paul's letter to Romans in the sixteenth chapter. It's so funny. I now I see things in scripture. Uh, that I had never seen before, and I am able to connect things maybe that I hadn't been able to before. But it's so interesting that in the in the book of Romans, it says in chapter uh, 16, verse 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. Uh, and, and he goes on to talk about the, these are people that are causing problems. But then he says, um, I want you to be wise or excellent at what is good and innocent of evil. Be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of evil. And then he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Such a good verse. But this is all tied to, to, to unity. It's like the, the whole flow of thought beginning in verse 17 is, here's how we're going to get to the wholeness of the body of Christ. It's when you are excellent at what is good and innocent of evil. And that this, this definition of prudence that the catechism is giving us is it's the disposal. Um, it, 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 we are disposed to the practical reason to discern the true good in every circumstances and then Choose the right means of achieving it. Sounds kind of like the Apostle yeah. Paul. Be excellent at what is good and be innocent of evil, you know. Yeah. And this is very integral to why there is division as, you know, one of the problems in the body of Christ. Yeah. I heard a description of prudence a while back from a, a friend of mine on a different podcast. Uh, and his description was it's not, again, responding to what the catechism says here about it, it's not timidity or fear. It's not, mm -hmm. prudence is not about whether or not to live out the gospel radically. It's not about whether or not to do that. Prudence is about how. So it's about, yes. it's about making choices, but it's not about whether or not you're going to, you know, <laughs> sell all you have and follow Jesus in whatever that looks like in your life. It's not about whether or not you're going to live out the gospel radically. It's simply about saying, Lord, how do you want me to do this in my life? Because that's mm -hmm. what I want. Uh, and so even I was thinking again about uh, about Mary Jo's uh, line there about, you know, follow the light you have. You know, it, it may be sometimes in life, it, maybe it's helpful for us to realize maybe there's a reason I don't have all the answers yet. You know, right. because uh, <laughs> sometimes we want more information than we need. We want all the light. But God has given us all the light we need to take the next right step. And it's right. an interesting thought. Like, have I ever been in, in, in a time in my life when... I did not, I could honestly say I did not have the information to take the next right step of faith. The next no. right step might be to go study, right? To, to do some yeah. research. But I've never been in a situation where God actually withheld the light I needed to continue walking with Jesus. I've always had the information I've needed. I've maybe mm -hmm. wanted more. I've maybe wished I wasn't in difficulty. I've maybe wished that I had all the answers. But I've always had the, the truth that I needed, the light that I needed right there to take the next right step. Yeah, and I and you know as we see in scripture we're we're not held accountable 
for responding to more light than we have. We're held accountable yeah. for our response to what we can see and what we do know and what has been revealed and what we have come to uh, comprehend and know and and uh, what what God has shown us. Not more than that, but never less, never, never less than that. One aspect of prudence, so we, we want to keep both sides in mind. There's the cognitive aspect, the turning to truth, wanting to be people of reality. And then there's the, the selecting, commanding side of it, that it is, mm-hmm. it's turning to truth and then it's making decisions. And, you know, prudence is very much connected to our concept of conscience, you know, that you, part of what you consult in prudence is what you know about about the world, what you've learned, you know, philosophy, theology, your experience, but it's also consulting that still small voice. It's saying, I, I've got to, we do have in the moment this, you know, written on our hearts, this sense of right and wrong, the sense of, of the moral law. Uh, and so in the moment, the, with the best that we can, we consult what we know about reality. And then we don't allow ourselves to be paralyzed and to not move forward. We we take the next right step with the light that we have. And so prudence is also this virtue about not getting stuck, not getting paralyzed, not not getting uh, bogged down in, in overthinking and perfectionism. It's about saying, Lord, you know all and you're bigger than this. You're bigger than me. You're bigger than the situation. I am simply going to try to take the next right step in in faith in you and doing the good that I can see in front of me. And and to trust in that, and this is, again, gets us back to the unity issue, and to trust that you are going to work through my fidelity to bring about the greater good. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes we want to get caught up on, like, uh, the big good that we want to bring about. Like, I want to bring about Christian unity. Well, (laughs) you know, the, the saints don't set out to do something big. They are faithful in the little things. They do little things with great love. And God weaves those little things into big things. And so this too is the virtue on also, you know, humbly saying, it's enough for me to simply be faithful with today's today's task, this moment's task of fidelity to Christ. I can be content with that. In fact, I can glorify God in that and saying, you know what, maybe it's better that I don't have all the answers, that I'm simply going to be faithful to this little thing and to trust that God will will bring about the fruit. Well, I want to talk a little bit more too about humility. I brought up humility just a moment ago, um, but it, I think it's connected, it's very much connected with prudence. Um, we're going to talk through the four cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, courage, and temperance, because that that forms the structure of this uh, the human virtues, the ways that that we can respond to God's grace in this fundamental way. And humility is another virtue that gets talked about, but it's it's a weird, it's different. It's not a virtue in the same sense the others are. are. I was talking about this beforehand, Kenny, making the joke that like when you go to confession, you, you confess your sins, but you don't <laughs> go in and confess pride in the same way you you confess other sins. You don't say, I did pride five times, right? Like <laughs> I did, I did pride again, right? No, right. it's a it's more of a state of our hearts. You know, I'm prideful. I, I recognize this, and again, Dubé mentioned that in the book there that there's this fundamental egoism. That's just a state of our hearts that we're we're chipping away at, or God's chipping away at through this conversion process. Mm-hmm. And the flip side of that is humility. And so I want to talk a little bit about about pride and humility as these basic kind of underlying dispositions of our hearts, because mm-hmm. obviously, humility is is connected to whether or not I'm open to the truth. You know, humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself, as C.S. Lewis says. It means thinking of yourself less. In other words, not thinking of reality in the context of your ego. 
not making yourself kind of the, the reference for all of reality. It really is this turning outward. And so it's very much connected to prudence as we're talking about. It's this turning outward, not focusing on me, focusing on no, what is true. Uh, and for, primarily, you know, who who is the source of all truth? Yeah, and I think that that is a really um, important point of connection to how we started in this episode, which is that this gospel orientation of be converted and believe the gospel. So the, the first one has to do with changing the whole way you think um, and and believing in reality as it is. Well, the way this connects to, to humility is that the gospel is telling us who is in charge of the world. And it's Jesus. You know, God has turned everything over to him. He says as much in Matthew 28, you know, God has handed all things in heaven and earth over to me. Now you go out and, and you be my, my people in the world and you bring the whole world into that reality through preaching it to the, to the whole world. Well, the way humility connects to that is to say, okay, God is in charge. <laughs> you know, like, is that how I actually live? And pride then, you know, with that as kind of a background would be to be disoriented to that reality or not oriented to the reality of who is in charge of the world and who's in charge of my life and who's in charge of saying what is and is not true and is and is not real and how the world is supposed to work. So am I living like I'm in charge or am I living like God's in charge? Just a little quick right. little self-check there. Yeah. And so, yeah, when we make our examination of conscience, you know, when we're reflecting on our lives mm -hmm. and our sins and, and, and what we need to change, we see that sins are sort of the evidence of our underlying pride and egoism. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they are the evidence of that, that just that, that brokenness of our heart that it's, it's hard for us to directly get at. It's, it's down deep there. Christ has to kind of get at it. But one of the ways that Christ gets at it is through our actions when we, when we cooperate with his grace. And I think prudence is one of the primary ways we do this, right? Mm -hmm. In whatever we're doing, whatever we're considering, whatever we're dealing with, our, our fundamental conversion has to be this turning. I, I want to be a person of truth because if I don't, if I don't turn to the truth, then whatever I'm trying to think or do or build or construct is going to be based on a false falsehood. Mm -hmm. And so the, the mm -hmm. first turning always has to be towards the truth and wanting to act in accord with what is true. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, let's move, let's, let's wrap up a little bit here and we've yeah. already, you know, made a, made a couple of connections here, but let's round them out and, and revisit them just a little bit in terms of, you know, the explicit ways that this, this first step of virtue of conversion of heart connects with the question of, of unity and disunity. And I, I have a few points. I'll just start with one and you can share your thoughts as well. But one of the things that comes immediately to mind here is that, um, again, whether or not, very simply, if I'm not a person of truth, then even if I want to build a, if, if I'm trying to build unity or fix the unity of the body of Christ, but I, in my heart of hearts, don't have this conversion, I'm not practicing this conversion to truth. And indeed, if I'm not practicing it throughout my life, then I'm always going to be trying to manufacture a unity that's not of the truth, that's not of Christ. It's going to be a unity mm -hmm. of my doing, and it's ultimately going to fail or going to be bad, right? The unity that we want 
is the unity that Christ prays for. It's his unity. It's the conversion that he works. It's the result of his grace. And so uh, unless we're turning to be people of truth and basing our unity on that, it's always going to be a, a false a false start, a false construction. Yeah, that's that's really true. It's also a, it's also a point of tension, you know, I think about the groups that I was part of before, you know, being Catholic and the fights that we would get into about unity and everybody would say, well, we need to be unified around the truth, the truth, the truth. And then we would fight about what that was. <laughs> We're, we, we need to be unified around the truth. Well, there's 14 different ways that we're defining it. We can't, we can't find the, the center of that. And this just, you know, now I just say this, this shows me the utter dislocation, um, you know, generation after generation from the center, you know, from, from the masthead of truth, um, which is given to us through the church. And so to some degree, you know, part of like in my case, I'm, I'm speaking about myself here, the way that I ended my own personal protest, which was my contribution to disunity in my own life, the way that I ended my own protest was by just coming to the place where I said, well, look, I'm new <laughs> to this world and relatively speaking, new to Christianity. I've only, I've only been a Christian 33 years. Sounds like a lot, long time. It's not. Maybe there's a church. Maybe there, maybe there is a standard of truth that I have not really listened to. And maybe I ought to submit myself to that truth and let that truth teach me and let that truth have its good work in me and not assert my own, you know, understanding of it. And that's, that's really hard. You know, it's really hard. I think about all the fights that, um, that I got in with, with fellow Christians over the years and how we were, we were always, no, but it, it's, I think this and you think this. And there was, there was, it's just so hard to find the center if everybody's making it up themselves. And, you know, what God calls us to is, like you've said, prudence and, and humility. And that means that I have to allow the church of Jesus, the pillar and foundation of truth, to be my teacher, you know, to be the way that the Holy Spirit guides me into all truth. That's really hard, you know, I'll just admit it right on the front end. That's a, a real hard exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, as I mentioned, we, the thing about the virtues is we can't, they can't be compartmentalized. So I can't say, okay, well, I'm going right. to try to start practicing prudence with regards to this issue. No, it's right. whether or not I'm practicing being a prudent person. A, a person who turns from ego to truth. You know, mm -hmm. one of the practical, the most practical, the ultimately practical ways that we do this as Christians is by uh, our commitment to prayer. Certainly we want to yes. pray intercessorily for Christian unity. Lord, you know, bring mm -hmm. about unity, heal your church. Certainly that's important. But we don't want to miss that, you know, one of the, like prayer is multifaceted. And one of the most important aspects of prayer is precisely that it, it is it is the practice of placing myself in the presence of God and saying, I'm not here to change things. <laughs> I'm here to be changed. Right? I go to prayer, I sit in God's presence, and I want to say, Lord, like, I want you to <laughs> how do I need to change? Right? 
reveal it to me. Show me my darkness. Show me the ways that I'm rejecting you. Show me the ways that I'm holding on to my own ego rather than choosing the truth. Show, show me the ways that I'm afraid of the truth or I'm holding on to a particular narrative. Prayer is the preeminent place that we go to do that because we sit before the source and we say, Lord, I want to be changed. Change me in whatever ways I need to be changed. Yeah, amen. And you know, the Lord gave us a prayer for this. We pray it every time we gather together. We pray it every time we pray the rosary. We we pray it often throughout the day. And it's just a little phrase in, in uh, the Our Father, thy will be done. Like, man, if you chew on that, you know, if you let that, prayer soak down into your life, um, it's, it's going to be a good uh, purifier of this, you know, this egoism and this tendency to think I'm right about everything and it should be my way. Um, it's, yeah. it's, you know, the gospel is calling us to, to humble ourselves and to do what God has shown us uh, is good because he, he's the king. And even the prayer that the Lord gives us, um, really pushes against our tendency to go the other way thy will be done thy will be done thy will be done but it's how it's how we are to live yeah yeah we're we're gonna flesh it out more in the other virtues because that's really how prudence is is fleshed out is with the other Mm -hmm. virtues uh Mm -hmm. but i think you know one one additional thought here is just simply that again being open to the different areas of life that um I'm closed off to currently, right? There, there are aspects of, of the truth that right now I'm comfortable with and I'm, I'm fine turning to and looking at. There are some that I'm not. And those mm-hmm. can be truths about the universe. Those can be truths about the church or the doctrine of the church or the history of the church. Those can be truths about other people, right? I have a certain narrative. I have a certain projection, understanding of other people, presumption about them, about their souls, about their intentions. Those may be truths that, that, or those may be narratives that I need to challenge in myself. I will need to be open to the truth about those people. And of course, I need to be true, need to be open to the truths about myself. What are my holdups? What are my, my narratives, the things that I want to hold on to, the things that I am afraid of? Again, we want to go to prayer and we we want to conduct all of our our thinking and planning always with this in mind. This turning is what I'm doing, a conversion to truth and wanting to act and think in accord with what is true. That's this fundamental conversion that is prudence. It's talked about in the gospel uh, and, and it's been recognized throughout the history of the church as this fundamental virtue upon which um, all other virtue, all, all other good decisions and, and conversion have to be built. And so, again, it's all about yeah. grace, ultimately. Virtue is about grace. The Christian life is about grace. But it's also we have to cooperate with the grace. And the first step, always the first step, has to be a turning, a conversion yes. to truth and wanting to be people of truth. Yeah, amen, amen. I, just one final thought as you bring it in for a landing here, uh, John Mark, I'm thinking of, you know, okay, what, well, what can I do then? What can I do right now? I'm, I'm going to leave this, this video. I'm going to leave this discussion and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to do it. <laughs> what should I do? What should I do? Okay. Some wisdom from James, uh, James's letter, chapter one in uh, the epistle of James, verse 19. I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. I want to get about these virtues. Here you go. Here you go. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
It's like, (laughs) you know, that's just wisdom that it just fits in with what you've laid out with, with, with prudence and humility and the gospel. It's like, slow down. God's in charge. Kenny, you're not, you don't think right about everything. You don't have all the answers. You are still learning. So orient yourself to that reality. And here we're talking about unity. Like if I see problems in the church, um, which, you know, duh, there have always been <laughs> problems in the church, you know, and then I came and there were more, there was one more, you know, um, so, so how do, like, how do we fix this? And, there, and there's a lot that, that we're going to say, but at least right now I can be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And I think about, you know, I, I like reading uh, John Henry Newman, and he says that the original sin of the heretic is impatience. And I think that's probably the original sin of the schismatic, too. It's like, well, you know, like slow down here and and there's more going on, you know, maybe than, than we've thought of. So it's going to take yeah. real, it's going to take a lot of work. And it, and it starts right here. It starts right here in, yeah. in our heart. Well, I'll give a preview of our next episode, and we're gonna we're gonna proceed from prudence to the cardinal virtue of justice. And you know, again, if you if you're if you're in that state of okay, what do I what do I do next? Well, you know, um, again, great advice from Kenny, but also as you as as he said, uh, be patient because mm-hmm. uh, the next virtue is precisely to give us more order to this. Well, what do I do next? Because mm-hmm. precisely what prudence turns to, one of its primary realities, is to the reality of of personhood and relationship. That one of the there's all kinds of truths in reality, but one of the deepest ones, one of the most practical ones, is that I'm a person in relationship to other persons: God, yes. spouse, children, employer, employees, friends, neighbors, parents, and that those relationships are first of all they're real. God made them. They have real qualities. I don't. I don't manufacture them. I simply uh, try to embrace their reality. But they also have a structure and an order, right? And sometimes, as you said, um, we're impatient. There are things we want to take care of. But you know what? If we're, if we're realistic, they're they're lower on the prior, priority list in terms of what God's calling me to do. And if I want that grace to flow, if I want Him to be able to work in my life, I need to put first things first. But we'll we'll dig Amen. all into that more deeply in next episode, talking about justice. So. Kenny, thanks for this this conversation. I appreciate it so much, brother. Always a joy, John Mark. We'll talk again soon. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the of the <laughs> Deep in Christ. I forgot what it was called there for a moment. Again, we're we're talking here about uh, a deeper conversion to Jesus Christ. Wherever you happen to be in relationship to the Catholic Church, again, the Coming Home Network is here to to help you to help others uh, on that journey if they're thinking about becoming Catholic and to be a, a network of support for converts. And so, certainly, if you have questions about the Catholic Church. Uh, check out chnetwork.org. We've got articles and videos and a newsletter and an online community, as well as a pastoral care team of people that would love to, to hear your story and answer your questions and walk with you and pray with you. And as you're on that journey, though, in the meantime, um, we have to stay close to Jesus Christ. We have to stay rooted in prayer. And that's what this show is about. So I hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to talk about this transformation in Christ that we're all called to and is the basis upon which all, all of our unity and our healing is going to come. It's all about Jesus. And so God bless you. We'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.